Hi everyone, Robbie here. I'm pleased to announce my newest novel, The Other. It's a possession story that I'm describing as The Exorcist meets The Notebook with a battle between a lifetime of love and an evil from hell. Pre-orders are available now with a link in the show notes. Here's a brief description. Can love triumph over evil from hell itself? Donald Leal is slowly losing himself and Beverly, his wife, is trying to hold on. Diagnosed with Alzheimer's, Don's mind is falling apart. Married for 40 years, Bev will happily shoulder the burden of caring for Don. But it's more than just foggy thoughts and forgotten memories. Something dark lurks behind Don's eyes and drives him to despicable action. It calls itself the other. When it's in control, Don changes into something unrecognizable. A stranger in their house who laughs at trauma and relishes in death. Bev soon realizes her husband isn't just facing dementia. Her husband is possessed. The other delights in pain and misery and feeds off the love between Bev and Don. It surfaces more and more, hurting Bev whenever it can, and she desperately searches for a way to cure her husband. As it pushes Bev closer and closer to the breaking point, she must answer a terrible question. How much will she sacrifice to send the other back to hell? The other comes out November 21st, and I'd love for you to pre-order it. Onto the show. Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robbie. I love hearing stories about brave women throughout history. I would go elsewhere for that, though. What? <laughs> Seems like the Simpsons are not particularly good at that. What? Matt, how dare you? Robbie, I believe that each one of these is less than, what, four minutes? No, one, <laughs> is, one of them is seven. One of them is five. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, hi hello we are brought to you by supporters on patreon you can support us by going to patreon.com slash the simpson show for only two dollars a month get access to whatever bonus podcast five dollars a month get you that and much much more it's the beginning of the month it's the best time to subscribe you get access to hundreds of hours now of matt and i gabbing um it's like if you if you love our pain it's just out there on the internet for all to see well for a small fee uh we have someone to for think we have someone to thank, Matthew. All right. I'm going to probably butcher your name. I apologize. Akio? Akio? Forsyth. Thank you. Thank you, Akio. Akio. Whichever. You know. Yeah, yes. I Hopefully one of those covered the actual way you pronounce your name. This week's episode is Four Great Women in a Manicure. Episode LABF09. Originally aired May 10th, 2009. Written by Valentina El Garza. Directed by Raymond S. Percy received a 3.1 rating with 5.2 million viewers. Um, couch gag, a okay, it says a French artist. How do they know they're French? I, well, I mean, I think he had a beret on and had a little mustache, so it looked kind of French. So I, that's I guess. that means they're okay. A fr here, I'm, I'll take it for their taking them on their word. A French artist chisels the Simpsons out of stone block, then turns the sculpture into a general statue. And a general statue meaning like uh, it looks like it looks like Custer to me, but that's just I thought it looked like Theodore Roosevelt, but you're probably right. It, it's that it's that idea. You it's a guy on a horse with a sword. You know what we're talking about. This episode guest stars. Jodie Foster as Maggie Simpson. 
Yeah, that happens. It's... Strap in, guys. Maggie talks. <laughs> I I thought I was prepared, Matt. I really did. I thought I was ready for Jodie Foster as Maggie. <laughs> I was not ready. I was not ready for it. Um, this episode begins with Marge and Lisa going to get uh, a manicure. All right, bonding thing. Okay, fine enough. Fair enough. Um, and this is our kind of introduction, and this is our frame narrative that will spin out into each of these stories. My daughter's here for her first mani petty. Mom, I'm glad you brought me here, but isn't it more important for a woman to be smart and powerful than beautiful? A woman can be smart, beautiful, and powerful, like Queen Elizabeth I. She had it all, except the most important thing. Please don't say a man. No, a husband. The year was 1588, 400 years before Kirk Gibson would hit his famous home run. I do like the Kirk Gibson reference. I'm a sucker. I'll take it. Um, but I, there is this is this theme <laughs> that they used to tie this thing together. Quote unquote theme. Sneer quotes. Heavy sneer quotes. Me doing this. I'm doing like the the sneer quote thing with my fingers. You guys can't see it, but oh, like as hard as I possibly can of powerful women. There's not even. There's nothing. These are just stories with women in them. That's it. And they're not even. Elizabeth's the only one that is real. They're all these are other are fictional characters. Yeah, they're not even women from history. And like they've already kind of done that a little bit too. Like okay, so it's just like i don't and here's the thing Matt, i don't i don't even hate this episode that much like i don't hate it but i don't know why they bother with this stupid frame narrative of oh we have to have like they don't even come back to it at the end like it doesn't even okay so we cut to elizabeth the first who is played by selma which hey i like i i like that casting you know give us selma as the queen not Marge. Like, it seems like an obvious layup. Yes, that's a very good, yeah. But we Selma is the queen. Marge is a... Is that confirmed that she's a lady? I don't even know what a lady-in-waiting is. What is that? Oh, it's generally a, a woman who hangs around the queen as part of her court. Uh, they're usually not married yet. Uh, they're basically there uh, to... Uh, families that are in favor with the monarch. And basically they attend to her, but not like in a servant way, but just in a, hey, I need to have ladies around me uh, confirming my every decision. And also in some cases, uh, you know, clucking disapproval when I do something they don't like uh, that the other nobles would uh, disapprove of kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's still a still it was definitely a thing. I OK, whatever. It doesn't I don't know. Like none of this matters. I, 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 I want to make that this clear. This is I I would say I this is the worst one. I think this is the worst one. That, oh, by far. Yeah, this is not... It doesn't get any time. It doesn't have a story, even. It, it's barely anything. Uh, it's like we have basically Elizabeth Selma, like, basically accepting quarters. There is going to be multiple men coming up to try and marry her, to, to gain power, or to build alliance, or whatever. And that is not in you know an uninteresting story uh obviously it's not because they've made multiple movies about elizabeth but this is the very boring version of it um we got ralph coming up we have julio who is it's just an excuse to make some gay jokes julio is the king of spain 
but he does not interested in act, actually interested in Selma. He's more interested in Krusty, who plays the court jester. Um, we finally meet Homer. Uh, Marge is seen as a lady waiting. Homer is Sir Walter Raleigh, um, who I another guy I don't really remember anything about my from my history lessons about what, who or what Sir Walter Raleigh did. Did anything he do in this episode actually happen, Matt? Uh, I believe he was part of the fleet that uh, defeated the Spanish Armada, uh, but uh, not in the way that it's depicted. <laughs> uh, oh, you're telling me this very this real life account of the Spanish Armada losing to the English didn't happen this exact way? I am telling you that. Ah, yes. uh, that's too, too bad. But this is where we we get Homer as a Sir Walter Raleigh. Marge is smitten by Sir Walter Raleigh. Um, the queen, I, I think feel like, I don't know. It feels like Selma slash Elizabeth isn't really interested in any of these guys. I think she's, I mean, she's called the Virgin queen for a reason. It turns out that none of the men were actually good enough for her, which yes, that's true. That's probably true. Yeah. Um, but she, I think there is like this token consideration of Sir Walter Raleigh, um, which also Sir Walter Raleigh did marry one of the queen's ladies in waiting. So, okay. Also named Elizabeth. So that, that is accurate. Okay. I mean, there's that. I wish like it might, it doesn't matter because this, there's nothing in like, I don't know that I, I would say this (laughs) one is the one that actually gets to closest to like women being, being in, in power and exerting and breaking, you know, expectate cultural expectations on themselves but it also gets the least amount of time so it, it this gets as much time as the final segment which I, we'll, we'll get the final segment uh, i don't oh boy oh will. my god so um sir walter marge is carrying water and sir walter raleigh uh comes to try and ease her burden Ooh. You have the strength of a plow horse, but the charm of a cart horse. Mm. Treason! How dare you make out under my crenellations while I make out not? Don't you know that I love you? I've always loved you. Mm. Which one of us are you talking to? I'm not sure. Both. Neither. What difference does it make? Take them to the tower. Whoa, someone called Beowulf. Grendel got in again. Oh, it's you, Your Majesty. <clears throat> the, uh, the Spanish Armada sails for England. Armada? What's Armada? Nothing. What's the matter with you? <laughs> Seriously, though, we're in real trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> You're... I like the Grendel part of that, but every, the rest of that, I'm like, oh, my God, really? No, no, no. Just no. Have the Simpsons ever done a Grendel? A Grendel slash Beowulf? You know, that parody? feels like a pretty good uh, Trials of Horror. Uh, it could be with Grendel and Beowulf and all that, but... Homer, Beowulf... What's Homer Simpson? Beowulf. No, they haven't. Just, I just Google it just to make sure. Either one an episode that we've watched and I've completely forgotten or an episode coming up. I don't. I think this is one of the actual references, the only references to Beowulf in, uh, in The Simpsons. Um, it would be fun. I agree with you, Matt. So, I mean, if they're looking for new anthology series to do, like uh, myths from different cultures throughout history, seems like a pretty good one. They a lot of Bible ones, but I mean they haven't done Beowulf. Uh, I'm pretty sure there are lots of Babylonian myths that would be really cool. Maybe some Egyptian ones. I'm just saying, expand your repertoire. Maybe it's best if we don't let them just go dance around in other cultures, man. I suppose you're right. Um, so this Elizabeth is upset for that Marge and uh, Homer. I'm not going to even bother caring, calling them by their 
I don't even know if did Marge get uh, did they actually give Marge another name even in this thing? I don't believe they do. Okay, so this man we th- there's also a bit in here with we see Julio and this him preparing the Spanish Armada to attack England. There's a bit where Lenny gets t- tortured. Um, Homer and Marge are kissing and, and Elizabeth doesn't like this. However, the Armada is attacking. So Homer goes out with the English fleet to try and stop the Armada. Um, there's also a joke here where Elizabeth's horse runs away because it doesn't want her sitting on it. <sighs> and this is, and like, that's the thing where like, there are a couple gags I like in this episode, but there's also just an overwhelming amount of bits where it's just like, oh, she is this were a fat joke. This is all we have. The horse. Doesn't, yeah. So the horse swims away. Um, cool. So uh, Sir Walter Raleigh slash Homer is on in, in the English fleet. They're going to repel the trying to repel the Spanish Armada. Uh, he uh, accidentally lights his ship on fire and, jumps off of it along with the rest of the crew and that single ship on fire destroys the entire Spanish Armada. And so Sir Walter Raleigh is knighted again. So he's Sir Sir Walter Raleigh, which is oh, quite a God. gag. No, no, no. <laughs> that's what that's what they say, man. Okay? I'm just I'm just I'm just saying what they say. Um and we get the the clip that ends the uh the segment. For destroying the Spanish Armada. I dub thee Sir, Sir Walter Raleigh, and I grant you too my blessing. <laughs> Your Majesty, it's so kind of you to give up the one man you truly loved. I don't need a man, for I have England. Yeah, you keep telling yourself that. I mean, as much as uh, Bo's character in this is just a huge douchebag, uh, he's not wrong. Elizabeth's reign was complicated let's say thanks to factionalism so when she says she has England, yeah for now kind of thing i again matt like what is what's the point of this i i don't know but honestly like you said this is the only one that's actual history so it's mm-hmm. also boring and not really funny and is four minutes long i uh, yeah okay we got a commercial four minutes and 54 seconds Oh boy, and when we come back, <laughs> we get Snow White, because Lisa wants to tell Marge about uh, times when vanity uh, and, and women wanting to be pretty uh, led to their demise, I guess, and, and just, uh, we start off with a joke about the fact that Disney thinks they own Snow White, uh, and Lisa gets around that. Lisa, you are going to look so pretty. Thank you, but I know a story of a dangerous obsession with female beauty. It's called Snow White and the Seven... Excuse me, the story you're about to tell is the copyrighted property of the Walt Disney Corporation. Can you show up in these? Excuse me, but Snow White is a fairy tale from hundreds of years ago. No one owns that. Are there any dwarves in your story? Yes, but they're my own original creation. There's Krabby, Drunky, Hungry, Greedy... Lenny, Tierney, and Doc, Tor Hibbert. So, yes, this is not the Snow White, uh, the Disney version, but it's basically the same exact thing. <sighs> uh, here, uh, we, uh, you don't include the song, Matt? We don't get the song? 
No, you don't get the song. I like, the song is stupid. I, I like, want to hear it again. I like the song. I like the song, Matt. I mean, it is the best part of this, quite frankly. I like uh, the song. I like... I, I don't like all the, the dwarf names. I do like Kearney. Because it's just Kearney. It's just, I mean, it's also just Lenny. Um, yes, but I expect Lenny. And I think, you know, they give me Kearney as well as like another layout. Like, you know, I don't expect Kearney to be one of the dwarves. And that's a nice little surprise. Um, I, I I like I like the Ho High song. And like, I don't know, the, the idea of Disney co-opting trademarks probably has even become more relevant uh, since... This aired? Sure it has, because so, every tiny tweak reinforces copyright, so... I, uh, I, but, I, again, I like the... There's a ho-hi, they, you know, they sing a different off-brand Disney song. That's... I, mm-hmm. you know, it's... It's fine. You know, it's not it's not great or amazing or anything, but I do like these... The, it's, it made me like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So, uh, getting on to the actual story. Uh, Willie is the huntsman. Uh, he is contracted by the Evil Queen, who is not a Simpsons character. Kind of sounds like Lindsay Nagel, but I'm sure it's just because the voice actress is very similar. Or is the same voice actress as Lindsay Nagel. Who who does Lindsay Nagel, by the way? I don't know. Tress McNeil. So I, I'm sure it was just Tress McNeil. Probably was Tress McNeil. Yeah. So uh, sounds very similar. Uh, Willie is the huntsman. He is told to... Uh, go kill Snow White uh, and and bring her heart uh, as a, a proof, which I don't think was in the Disney version, but I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, meanwhile uh, Lisa can, is cooking a stew and convinces a turtle to hop in and get boiled alive. Ouch! I don't. Whoa, I don't that's... that's like that's the other thing. About, like I don't know. Like this is not the Disney version. Like I think that that is technically true. Like they they go off. They go back to the original fairy tale closer to that but right i don't know why i don't know why we're seeing any of this and that's the other thing like at least the elizabeth stuff's not entertaining i get why we would watch a thing about we get a story told about elizabeth okay yeah understood you'd think they would focus more on that and go through the struggles of elizabeth and her reign but instead we get Lisa telling the story of Snow White like why would it be wouldn't Lisa be telling us a more empowering story no you'd think so okay. uh, but I, the, the, I, I guess the whole premise behind this is that it's a story of you know vanity causing all kinds of problems which okay that's fine but in this case the vanity is the queen's vanity and she doesn't win out like she gets killed but so you should be focusing on her and not it just it's a very muddled message so uh, Lisa cooks a turtle alive convinces him to kill himself for her soup uh, meanwhile, Willie shows up, can't kill her because uh, that's how the story goes. Uh, he can't bring himself to do it. So instead, he tries to uh, kill a pig, can't do that. So he tries to, you know, uh, cut a heart out of um, construction paper and can't do that. Ha ha, I get the joke. He can't do anything to harm anything. Very funny. So Lisa goes to the dwarves. What's that, Robbie? It says very funny, just hilarious. Laugh riot. This, this laugh riot. Yeah. Oh, it gets much worse because now we get Lisa going to the dwarf's house where she pulls the whole three bears thing of, you know, beds being too hard, too soft, not good enough. Blah blah blah. It it goes on for a while, honestly. Why, Matt? Why is this in this? Why is this? I this is a, this is a joke. You, tell you. This is a joke you cut. 
This is like one of the biggest examples of like, this is something you cut. Like they make a joke about like, oh, I need to make a choice between the houses. And you see a gingerbread house. You see the uh, the uh, little little red riding hood house with the wolf. Wolf. I, I say, I can't say wolf, wolf correctly. Um Wolf, wolf. I, I, it's the Philly accent given to me by the Jersey accent, Philly accent given to me by my parents. I can't help it. Um, <laughs> it's it doesn't come out a lot. It comes out in, in wolf, wolf, um, water. I don't say water at least. All right, I say water. Um, I mean, thank God for that because I would stop talking to you if you ever said the word water to me. I we would immediately end. This aren't you, are you thirsty, mate? You should go <laughs> drink some water. Um, uh, I want some water ice. It's like, and I was thinking, I thought, oh, they're going to make a gag about, oh, instead of going to the house that's made out of candy, the house that has a grandma on it that is disguised as, as a wolf, instead she's going to go to the house. Disguised as a grandma. Yes. Yes, exactly. Grandma, the grandma wolf. They're going to make a joke about, oh, I'll go to the house filled with men, filled with disgruntled, you know, sweaty men. I thought that was the gag. But instead, uh-huh. she goes into the dwarf's house, makes no mention of the fact they live there. And instead, we get back another reference of Goldilocks, this lame. Yeah, and it doesn't help. It doesn't help. It's like they, they needed a joke. So they were, let's, let's hear out the Goldilocks thing. How does that uh, apply to the theme? Shut up and get back to sandwiches. Like, <laughs> what? Man, I, I, let's just finish this one out i've already because i've already I got one clip of basically the rest of this i already ate lunch man now i want a sandwich oh sorry robbie i'm hungry too but we're gonna get through this okay. because meanwhile the evil queen shows up and it, it just goes downhill from there who are you care for an apple okay um i'll take a green one no take the red one Take a bite, dearie. No! <laughs> uh oh, you'll never take me alive. No! Ooh, herbivores. I'm so scared. Oh, I slept and waited for her prince to come. Real quick, I'm going to pause the clip here just to point out that never never uh, turn your back on herbivores because all herbivores are pretty much uh, opportunistic omnivores. Uh, if you've never seen a cow eat a baby chicken uh, just because it wandered by, uh, do not trust herbivores. Wait, 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 we just gotta find her. You, you casually, just casually, you, you're like, yeah, hey, I'm gonna play my Simpsons clip, and then I'm just gonna casually drop an anecdote about a cow eating a chick. Well, yeah, and deers will also eat. Uh, Stop! Strip dead bodies Stop! I'm just what are saying, you doing? Never Stop turn your back this. on herbivores. This is just because horrible. You <laughs> you're awful. Don't tell me things about cows eating chicks. That's disgusting. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Look, I just think. We have to trust certain things in the world, and just because something's an herbivore doesn't mean it won't kill you. No one was disagreeing with you. You just don't got to introduce body horror into our Simpsons podcast. We're not even oh, we're yeah, past it Halloween. Oh yeah, body horror. Who writes hey, body horror? We're past. Hey, I, okay. I keep things in nice, neat categories. All right, we compartmentalize <laughs> here. Okay, you know what? I don't. I if we're doing a Halloween episode, of spooky. All right, I'll bring in some body horror. That's fine. But 
just casually dropping in this d- disgusting cows murdering little baby chicks. They're little cute little guys. You're gonna exactly, and that's why you should keep your animals separate or as much as you can. On I mean, I, no one has cows, man. No one listening to this has cows. If you okay, if okay, you, if, if you, you have listen, cows and you're listening to this, please let Robbie know that he's I'm, wrong. I mean, I know, th- man. I'm not disp- debating that it happens. I just don't want to know about it. <laughs> don't tell me. I'm going to stay in the dark. Fair. All right, all right. Moving on, moving on. We're going to finish the clip about what happens to the evil queen after she is ripped to shreds by herbivores. But he never did. Because a woman shouldn't have to depend on a man. Snow White was brought back to life by a lady doctor. And she lived happily ever after? Well, she couldn't indulge in strenuous activities like handball, but otherwise, she was fine. That's nice. So, yes, Lisa then changes the ending to say that, oh... Snow White was brought back, not by a kiss, but by a doctor. Hey, here, writers, how about we see that? I <laughs> just, I, <sighs> what is the point? Maybe I, no, this is, this has the song in Kearney that Kearney bet. I still think this is, I like this slightly more than that first one, but they're both not very good. They're both, you like it better than the first one, really? I like the first no, one a lot better, at least it has some history to it. I know, I like, I like it more, not a lot more, because I, I don't. This is very limited right, spectrum we're working on. At least you get one of the more interesting ones. That's kind of original, kind of. Mm, yeah. Anyway, we go to commercial after this uh, and, and move on to, you know, Macbeth. Don't say it, Matt. You can't say Macbeth. You're not allowed. You have to... I'm not a thespian. I can say Macbeth as much as I want. Are you not putting on a show right now? No, no, I'm not putting on a show. I am critiquing things. It's much. It's very different. Mm, there's a little weird, there's some sewing showmanship in, in this in this podcast man i'm sorry hate to hate to break it to you uh this, we go to come back from commercial 10 minutes and four seconds and this is it's not a high bar to clear but it this is the best of the four my at least my favorite i think it is the best one mostly because it actually has time to tell us like and it has an arc this little thing has an arc in and of itself it doesn't at all have anything to do with this quote unquote theme uh about women or powerful women or whatever uh it because this is marge telling us about an ambitious woman in what context is marge telling us this story that is a fantastic question robbie because marge is in the story she's telling about a, a woman but i guess that she chooses to depict herself as this woman like it could have been anyone else <laughs> i just i just don't i just want to know what's happening um is that too much to ask for me to just know no, no. okay um so and like it it begins with that kind of like oh she's going to tell the story of ambitious ambitious woman and it's going to be lady macbeth but it's not about it's not actually macbeth they don't do just simpsons characters as macbeth characters um, just telling us Macbeth again, which is the only reason this is interesting is that they take a step back and we are actually watching a, I guess, a Springfield community production of Macbeth. But we don't get... I mean, we at least get Ch- uh, Chase Busby back. We get Chase Busby. Is this actually Chase Busby or is it just uh, looks like Bob Fosse? It just looks like... It doesn't look like it... I it, mean, it could be either of the Simpsons. Okay, really. fair enough. But there's no Lou and Sinclair. Instead, we get Chase Busby. I guess Chase Busby. Um, but it's so weird that Marge is telling Lisa this story, but it features just townspeople. This is like... Again, there is no... Th- 
connecting tissue, connecting tissue between any of these four stories. First one is about Elizabeth, a real person. The second one is about Snow White, a fictional fairy tale character. The third one has Macbeth in it, but it also just has the townspeople in it. And the last one, we'll get to the last one. So I, I try to keep like I, I have you ever seen? You probably haven't seen that. I'll, I'll bet. I'll probably bet a thousand dollars you haven't seen Theater of Blood. Have you seen Theater of Blood? I have not. Is that a horror movie? It, it's an older, it's a Vincent Price movie, actually. Oh, okay. Um, Theater of Blood is a lot of fun. It is Vincent Price playing a Shakespearean actor who uh, fakes his own death so that he can enact revenge on critics throughout his life and his throughout his performances. Um, and he kills them using methods from Shakespearean plays. Oh, uh, interesting. That's very fun. It's a it's a it's a very fun old. A lot of people prefer the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I prefer Theater of Blood, probably because I like Shakespeare so much. But it, this reminds me of that it is like oh, it's not you know it, there is a production of a play going on and it is providing impetus to the murders, um, but it is not the play is not actually the important part. It is the st- stuff happening behind the scenes. This is a Trios of Horror sketch. Why is this here? <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking the entire time. I'm like, this this is perfect for Trios of Horror. What in the world? This is a Trios of I, I like. I like this the most of all four of them. That's still not a lot, but it's something. But this is a Trios of Horror bit. This is nothing to do. What does this have to do with powerful women? It's so... Okay. So Homer is in Macbeth. I guess Marge is kind of there too. Uh, we're introduced to them and we get a basically right to the plot where Marge wants Homer to off anyone who is in their way uh, to star in the play. Marge, please, if you don't like getting barbecue sauce out of a leotard, why'd you get into show business? Think before you do. Oh, I wouldn't be stuck washing costumes if my husband had a better role. Well, I may be playing a tree, but at least I'm getting my face out there. Oh. I thought I was marrying a man who could play Macbeth. Hey, there's no way I could ever be as good as that guy. Stars, hide your fires. Let not light see my black and deep desires. Smells mm. like the sun Lawrence Olivier and John Gilgood always wanted but never had. But oh, how they tried. I think Mel would be happier as an understudy. A six feet understudy. You're not suggesting murder. Wouldst thou live a coward in thine own esteem, letting I dare not wait upon I would? Whatever you say, sweetie. Okay, so Marge wants Homer to kill Mel so that Homer will star in the play, and therefore she won't have to wash costumes anymore? I do believe that is what we're going at here. Okay. So Homer kills Sideshow Mo, uh, beats him to death with the, from, with the bone from his hair, uh, and I, I, don't, I don't mind the... I don't mind. There's, there's, there's some clever bits in here, mostly. I think just... Be, there's The Macbeth part of it, I think, makes this a little bit better. When you can just lean on Shakespeare, it <laughs> will help elevated a little bit um it's bet obviously much better writing than the rest of this episode so homer kills mel and they just continue on mel is dead homer is now in the lead however early reviews come in and marge is even more upset tonight the springfield community playhouse was bathed in the light of a brilliant new star dr 
Dr. Hibbert as Banquo. Who the hell is Banquo? He's the one getting the good reviews, which makes him the next one you've got to kill. Wouldn't it be easier if I just took acting lessons? Screw your courage to the sticking place and will not fail. That's inspiring. What's that from, X-Men 2? Macbeth. Macwho? <laughs> I like X-Men 2 a lot, so I can't. I mean, it's good, but, you know, X-Men 2 versus, uh, you know, Macbeth. Matt, mm-hmm. I might take X-Men 2. Wow. I guess it depends on which version of Macbeth you're watching. X-Men 2 is really good. It's a really good movie. It is. It involves people best... melting. And... It's the best <laughs> X-Men movie. Well, that's obviously that. First Class was okay, but I still think 2 beats it. First Class was, the half of First Class was good. Yeah, that's true. The other half. Um, so Homer kills Dr. Hibbert, uh, but he keeps going again. This is seven minutes, but they still don't have a lot of time to tell. They're telling a full complete story. So they got a, we get a montage here of Homer just killing basically everyone in the production. Every single other actor gets killed one by one. Um, in some cases, Homer kills multiple of them at a time. Uh, Chase Busby is completely oblivious to the fact that Homer is murdering all these people. Um, we get a scene where Marge is haunted by the ghosts of the dead, um, blaming her for all these deaths. And she tries to, you know, switch the blame over to Homer. But they, the ghosts obviously know the truth and know that she's the one who told him to do all this. And they make a joke about Marge withholding sex from him so that he would kill people. Okay, um, but they drive Marge to death. Basically, the ghosts drive Marge to death. So now Homer's the only one left. There is no one left in this production, and we get his final performance. Okay, Homer, it's our last performance. You're the only actor that's still alive, and there's nobody in the audience. This is your moment. I'll be in my office going over the books on my Subway Sandwich franchise. You call a sandwich maker an artist, it's like an invitation to steal. A guy's going nani nuni bananas in there. It's my moment. Tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, creeps in this petty pace from day to day, to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out! Out, brief candle! Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. Oh, homie, you were brilliant. I knew you could do it. I knew it. Now nothing will stop you from taking on all of Shakespeare's greatest roles. King Lear, Hamlet, Othello, Richard III, Henry IV Part I, Henry IV Part II, Henry V, Titus Andronicus. Me having to read all those plays would be the real tragedy. Oh. Yes. Let's have Homer kill himself. That just makes it all the better. This is a tree house of horror sketch. And it would be fine. I honestly, in most of our recent Treehouse of Horror sketch years, this would probably be among the better bits. It would have been, yeah. It's not it's not amazing or anything, but it tells a full story, which is more than you can say about a lot of the Trails of Heart bits lately. Um, but it, it, this does not belong. This doesn't make any sense in the context of this. But I don't know. I'm happy to have 
something that I I like. I thought there were a couple ba- lines in there that I thought were clever. Shakespeare stuff's good. Homer soliloquy actually like I'm actually like Dan Castanello just doing a soliloquy. That's all that is. Right. And I, I, it's good. It is, and I I want to do see, see Dan Castanello do some Shakespeare. That was great. He might. I mean, I it's quite possible he's he's done it as a, when he was younger, man. It's it makes it would I would not be surprised if I heard if, if Dan Castanello said I did I I done works in Shakespeare. Um, and he's, I know he's a improv comedian and sketch comedian at, at his core, but I'm, he's had to have done some, some Shakespeare, some stage stuff, um, other than that. Uh, but that's the end. Uh, we go to commercial 17 minutes, 17 minutes, even good luck and Godspeed, Matt, with this final thing, whatever the heck you want to call this. <laughs> so, so, so. Uh, this act starts off with uh, Marge saying, yep, we always do three. We're done with three stories. Let's break the fourth wall here and say, yep, we always do three. But, oh, it turns out they have extra time. So it's up time for Maggie to tell a story because because why not? And it just it just that's it. Three stories. That's what we always tell. Looks like Maggie wants a story, too. Ooh, the Fountainhead. Mom, isn't that book the Bible of right-wing losers? Yeah, but the guy on the book jacket is one sexy slice of beefcake. So, anyway, this is the story of Maggie Rourke, an architect who refused to compromise. So, yes, we're getting The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Oh, through a Simpsons lens, and especially a Maggie lens. I just... Okay, Matt. I was was holding out hope that this would be a parody, like a full-on hard parody of Ayn Rand. Mm -hmm. And we we have a line from Lisa saying, you know, she calls it out. It's the, you know, Ayn Rand, the right-wing weirdos or whatever she says. Uh Uh-huh. That's it. There's nothing. That's it. After that, it's played completely straight. There is, it's yeah. Like, there's, oh, yes. there's no semblance of irony or parody in any of this. It is just Maggie and Ayn Rand, and mm-hmm. I. Oh no! Wait, we'll go completely through it, Robbie, so you understand just how everyone listening understands how bad this is, because this starts out with Maggie being put into daycare with a horrible teacher who uh, the idea is that the daycare teacher wants everyone to be the same, which is basically the story of the Fountainhead. Uh, for those of you who have not read it, I have not, but I have seen read lots of uh, critiques of it and summaries of it. Uh, but basically the idea is that, oh, uh, society needs to promote those who are exceptional above the everyday rabble uh, so that society can progress. Uh, and uh, there are people out there who, you know, want to cut down the exceptional people, a.k.a. have, you know, laws apply to them and, you know, keep everyone else safe from these exceptional people. And those people are bad. And that's essentially what we get. Uh, Maggie's daycare teacher uh, wants to cut down uh, Maggie's exceptional architectural work with her blocks because question mark. Robbie, any thoughts? <laughs> I I mean, it, it literally is just, it's effectively a very simplified version of, of the Fountainhead. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot, Ayn Rand is not a good writer. I like, I hate to, like, I don't know, if you, if you're listening to this, I highly doubt anyone listening to this is like a Ayn Rand fanboy, but um, she, she's not 
she was not a good writer. Like the story, like I have no idea how they got to that to the point where they are. Like consider like some people don't consider them good literature. They might be interesting literature and like worthy of study in certain regards, but it's not a good book. It's story is so bad. It's not a good story. But there is no, there's nothing else here. It's just like oh, Maggie is trying to build nicer things, and her teacher destroys them. That's it. There's nothing else here. So, yeah. There's no parody. There's no irony here. There's no, like, oh, look how silly this is. The only thing I can think of is the fact that it's literally a baby doing it. Yeah, that that's why everyone th- the, the writers thought it was okay. It's, oh, it's a baby, so it'll be fine. Well, like, I it's thought, about, like, you know, building blocks. Well, that's what I've, I thought, man. I'm like, maybe, like, it's supposed to be intended, like, this is parody because it's a baby. Literally, like, the, that level of, like, a baby thinks this way. That's the only th- way I could possibly. That's me trying to be like p- generous. I like that. Th- this very, is the way they're parodying it is by telling the story in a straight laced way, but having a baby as the main character. And I don't see it though. Like I, that's like the best I could do. But there's nothing else here. There's no winking at the camera. It seems straight face. Other than I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so moving along, uh, we get a long montage of this teacher just completely knocking over anything that Maggie builds because it's better than everyone else's, uh, which, again, not how the world works. Just want to make sure everyone's clear on that. Mm. Eventually. Are you uh, sure, Matt? Wait, a... wait, wait, wait. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Very, very, I work, very, I work very really sure. hard, and uh, all the people, all the authority figures of my life, they're always cutting me off at my knees, you know? Well, that's true. It's because they hate how great you are, and they feel small by your greatness, so they're going to try and cut you down. See, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. I think, yeah. I, you know what? I'm starting to believe that, you know, maybe Maggie's right. <laughs> uh, yes, Maggie, Maggie is absolutely correct. Maggie and Ayn Rand are absolutely correct. Uh, you are great, and your failure in life is because of other people who are scared of your greatness. That's what we should take away from this. I'm sorry. I really tried. I tried to keep it up. I couldn't do it for more than maybe two minutes. Thank goodness. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, after we get this montage of the chess teacher, or the uh, daycare uh, teacher destroying all of Maggie's work, we get a the parents coming in to see the work that the babies have created, uh, where Maggie has once again done what she always does and made a giant, beautiful thing, and the teacher destroys it in front of all the parents, and in addition, puts Maggie on trial before a jury of her peers. Oh, God. Babies and gentlemen of the jury, this child's crime was to remind the rest of us that we are merely ordinary. When a blade of grass rises above the others, do we applaud it? No, we cut it down. I recommend nine timeouts served consecutively. (coughs) Throughout the ages, the finger painter, the Plato sculptor, the Lincoln logger stood alone against the daycare teacher of her time. She did not live to earn approval stickers. She lived for herself, that she might achieve things that are the glory of all humanity. These are my terms. I do not care to play by any others. And now, if the court will allow me, it's nap time. (sighs) Maggie grew up to be a world-famous architect. Her building became one of the wonders of the world. 
very top floor was a daycare center where every child was free to follow their dream because nothing is... <gasps> Maggie, get away from there! Bad baby! At the end there, Maggie was redrawing um, Starry Night uh, with finger paints and Marge was stopping her. Uh, so, yes, Robbie, I, unless I'm just startlingly unfamiliar with daycares, is anyone crushing the creativity of infants I, in daycares? I don't know I mean, I, Matt, like... I, from I don't it's not like this is like I don't think I don't think that this is like trumpeting Ayn Rand or libertarianism or whatever other system of beliefs you want to try and build off the fountainhead which people have certainly have tried but I don't think it's like glorifying that stuff but I don't I, I don't, don't know so either it just I don't know what the point of it is then. that's the, that is the the true question you're like well, why is this here why is this in this anthology what is it saying if anything it's not like it's funny there are no jokes in this there's not a joke to be had in any of this so it's not like oh we had some funny gags around Ayn Rand there are none in this 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 thing is like when we say it's played straight it is the only things i can come around like the only things that feel even hinting towards parody to me are the bits were one because it's so bizarre that is a part of it you're like this is so strange it feels like they're trying to do something what is it um there is the bits where like oh we're going to do a jury of your peers and it's just a bunch of babies who don't know what's going on like are, it feels like they're trying something. I don't know what it is. And okay, and Jodie Foster. I like Jodie Foster. <sighs> I think Jodie I do too. Jodie Foster like, is, is a great she actress. A, an objectivist in some way. I don't think so. Let's see what happens. So this is a Jodie Foster objectivist. Let's see what happens if I type that in. Um, the only I was pretty sure Jodie Foster was like a, a environmental activist. She yes, that's what I all I know about her personal and pro- politics is that she's relatively progressive. No, the only times I ever, um, the only time and and okay, so I pulled I've got an interview here from an objectivist website. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's not even oh, a web- it's Run, not, Robbie, run. It's, 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 the, it's the only reference is when I type in Jodie Foster objectivist. That's the only thing that comes up. So I'm assuming that Jodie Foster is not uh, uh, is not an objectivist. I don't know. Um, but Al Jean does say that this is a parody of the Fountainhead in it. Um, and I just don't know how, like, how is it doing that? Like, I just don't understand how this is parodying the Fountainhead other than it, there's babies going on. Like, it's just, oh, there's babies. So it's silly. <laughs> like, and that's the only thing, I, that's the only connection I can make. It's like, this is so silly, we're just going to use babies to tell the story and make it seem very silly. But it's not, it doesn't say anything. <laughs> You're not, I don't, it doesn't do anything. It's just weird. All it does is make it weird. I, I don't, it doesn't attack objectivism or libertarianism or anything, any of the systems of beliefs. It doesn't. It doesn't speak to any of that. All I'm doing is watching a is watching Maggie like build stuff with blocks, and then and then it, but then it kind of undercuts its own message by Marge herself stopping Maggie from being creative at the very end. But I don't. I don't know, Matt. I don't know. It's so strange. Like I don't even. This. It's not the worst thing in this 
I think this is the second best one. Which is sad, but you're not wrong. It's not like it's it's short and it's so bizarre that I have to find I find it interesting. <laughs> I I don't know what I don't know what's going on. I don't I don't know what's happening in this man. I I could not tell you either, but thankfully we're done. That's we're it. done. That's, That's the, the episode. Um it's it's fine again it's just it's like this is it's not good it's like it's it's kind of just bad in a very boring way for the most part like that's like the fountainhead ayn rand stuff isn't good at least it's so bizarre that i like i'm curious like what is going on the only bit in here that i find entertaining really is the Macbeth thing but it's a treehouse of horror bit it does not belong in this. Like none of these no. belong technically. I don't even know what this is supposed to be. Like it's just like I'm. We're like it's just like we just get handed like like here. Like it feels like one of those uh, TikTok like TikTok uh, f like stunt food items, Matt. I don't know if you've watched any of them. I assume your someone in your life has sent you these crazy food TikToks, but. I think most of them are stunts. Like, they're not legitimate. But it is very much like, I'm going to take four random food items and throw them together. Mm-mm-mm. So delicious. And you're like, that's not real, man. No one in li their life has made that for real. You're just doing this for views. Um, but that's what this feels like. It's just like four random stuff thrown together. Like, what is this? What are you doing to me, Simpsons? This is terrible. As a whole, this is not good. Uh, it has some interesting things in it. Ugh, I don't even know. It, it's broken my brain again, Matt. Like, every week, I like I think I'm prepared. I think I'm ready. <laughs> it breaks in a new way. It breaks in a new way. We'll rank this episode at the end of the show. Robbie, is this episode broken? No. I don't know, Matt. Wow. I don't, maybe, it's hard to tell because you don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know. I think, Matt, here. No, you were right the first time with that quick fix idea. Let's see. Quick fix. Quick fix. Uh. I think we have to say yes. Like it's just like as a whole. Like I, I, I like the Macbeth stuff. I think is entertaining at times. The Fountainhead stuff is insane. Like it feels like Scully years insanity and and just bizarre. Like Jodie Foster speaking as Maggie. Like what is going on? But there was and like, but it doesn't fit together. This is just, it's a mess. I it has to be broken. I, like I really want to say no, it's not. But this is it's it doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense from being like as a whole. Like what are the like what is this pitched as? What is what does Marge tell Lisa at the very beginning of the episode? I, I, I the whole point I believe is that Lisa feels that going to a getting a manicure is. Uh, distracting her from her intellectual pursuits, uh, which are more important for women. And Marge tries to tell her stories about powerful women, who I think were also beautiful. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, because it's not clear. See, that's the thing. You would think that this would be a tennis match. If there's four, and that makes it perfect, because there's four stories, you could have Marge tell a story. And like, yes, can a woman be smart, powerful, and beautiful? Can a woman pursue... Um, I don't know. And like they use it as this, oh, she's getting a manicure and pedicure. I'm like, that's just taking care of you. That's just feeling pretty, Lisa. That's perfectly fine. And they take what, an hour? Like, you'll be fine. It's okay to get a mani pedi. You'll be okay. But it's more about like, you know, in a greater scheme of things, like, can a woman be all those things? Will culture and society allow a woman to be smart, powerful, and beautiful? And 
you would think this would be a tennis match where one story is is Marge telling an example that it proves her point that yes, a woman can be smart, powerful, and beautiful. And then maybe Lisa catches her and like Elizabeth's not a bad idea for that. Cause, cause Lisa can then go back and say like, well, actually Elizabeth's reign was kind of problem. Like there's trouble. Tr- it was troubled and blah, 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 blah. And you could tell the stories that, you know, that are, are real history and kind of, and then Lisa can tell her own story about a time when a woman does try and be all those things and society doesn't let her. And then Marge can re- re- rebut that with another story. And then Lisa can finally tell a, a, a smaller fourth story that wraps everything up. And maybe Le- and Marge can maybe maybe they tell the last one together, Matt. That it, them finding That'd a common ground, finding a compromise. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. But ideally, and that's the format you want to go with in an anthology episode. You'd have to you wrap this all around with a greater point about how maybe historically it has been challenging for women to be all these things at once and not be pigeonholed into a certain archetype or certain character and let them be just be a person. But, you know, we've made grounds and we can still fight and blah, blah, blah. Some, you know, I don't know. Something that feels Simpson-y at the end even um i would not end it with maggie foster maggie foster <laughs> jody foster J- jody foster jody as foster as maggie who like i said i'm losing my perspicacity uh jody foster as maggie g- giving a weird Randian speech um and then baby babies like i don't know what i don't know what the, what does that have to do with women allowed to be smart powerful beautiful all at the same time nothing and that's the problem um I, I, are you gonna? I, th- a better answer, Matt, is just don't do this. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. That's a, that's my actual answer. Is we don't need this. I mean, at the very least, just have this be about four powerful women throughout history uh, who overcame uh, the limitations that, that are placed on them. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the bare minimum. Yeah. Instead, we get Snow White and a modern day weird like meta Macbeth thing, and then Ayn Rand and you know. Like, like, okay. All right. All right. Um, You don't need to do constant anthology episodes, guys. You don't need to do an extra anthology every year. You don't have to. You just... Is it? Is this easier? Maybe. Maybe it's easier. And Maybe. So, I mean, there's not much writing, I guess. Like, Because, you know, I mean, we have seen they have problems with endings and just coming up with... Well, why would you want to write... Stories, they need so. four endings. Robbie, would you say that any of these have an ending? Yeah. The first one. I mean, one was based on history, so the, that's kind of the first one has. First one has an ending. The third one hasn't. They have endings. They're not very good, but they have them. Like it's not just well, mission. It's not. This is not the just Snow White one. And the first two were written uh, by the stories as source material. <laughs> I don't know, Matt. I don't know what to tell you. I would just write a normal episode if you're asking me point blank, right? Whatever. Um, this episode is broken. I don't know. Uh, let's move on. Our next segment. It's time for comments from news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Constant News Group is where I ask our friends on the Patreon to leave a review. And I read it on the air. If you'd like to leave your own, just support us at any level. You can leave a, a, a nice review or not so nice in some cases. First from Tim, usually the anthology episodes are at least enjoyable, but this one, I'm really reaching to find something memorable. Kurt Gibson references delightfully random, and it's often interesting to see how the town folk are used to portray historical events. But beyond that, autopilot and they hit us on the head that the one guy's gay technique never goes over well i'll put this as number 375 not canon my fix would be make this interesting 
<laughs> Off from Derek. Good luck with that. How about instead of an eloquently written review, I just write the words tumbleweeds, cicadas, white noise. I mentioned many times my complete disdain for the anthology episodes. I don't even like season 10 one, and I'm one of these those lunatics that can stick on any old Scully episode and enjoy it for the most part. So an anthology episode in the Algene Helm season 20? No, no, not today. Thank you. I'll pass on that. Sunny Jim, if you don't mind. <laughs> Sunny Jim. All right. Uh, from JJ, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for themes for these anthology episodes. The only thing connecting the four stories is they're all about female protagonists, which makes their parody choices baffling to me. There are so many great stories about female characters, and they go with Macbeth and the Fountainhead? The four segments feel completely mismatched and random, like they had ideas left on the cutting room floor from previous anthologies, so they clumsily stitched them together. And you'd think that because the premise is marginally discussing women, there'd be some kind of meaning or something the writers want to say in this episode, but there's nothing. It's just bizarre. <laughs> Our filler. Um, next, from Casey. I'm most likely the minority on this, but I find the trilogy segment segment episodes to be a fun break from other episodes. They may not always be a great rewatch option, but it gives the writers a chance to express themselves outside of the canon without feeling bound to a spooky Halloween premise. I think our Selma parody was a little too rushed, but interesting choice to include her in a segment. At least the segment just does not work for me solely because Lisa is not afraid to speak up for herself. And I find Snow White to be the only Disney princess that, that just lets the plot happen to her. They even took away one of her only choices by not letting her pick her own apple. I like Lisa and Marge's exchange at the end, but it could have been easily replaced with a better fairy tale choice. I love Macbeth. So I have very little notes on Marge's segment. I appreciate the idea to make them performing Macbeth instead of a straight 40 straightforward parody makes it different from their Hamlet one years earlier. Best line from the episode was that's inspiring. What's that from X-Men two. Macbeth. See? X-Men 2. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Maggie. Remember the first time I watched this, I screamed out loud that they let Maggie talk. I love the speech she wrote her and showed once again canonically how gifted she is like Lisa. Overall, nothing incredible, but not offensive. It's nice to just have a female-centered episode from time to time. I mean, I'm not going to complain about that. That's a... We don't have enough time to talk about that in this episode. Uh, from Dara. It was fine. I appreciated that we always tell three stories line. Anything Maggie centered usually gets a bonus star for me, but why in a story Lisa tells is her character cooking a turtle? I hope someone got fired for that blunder. Thumbs in the middle, not offensive, but not distinguished in any way. And finally, from Mr. Simpson's writer, wait, there are real women we could have told stories about? Ooh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, the credited writer in this episode is a woman, I, so I have, I have no idea... You know how what effect the room had on this, or you know, when she's gone on to do lots of great shows. Yeah, yeah. So she's uh works currently working on only murders in the building. Oh, I've heard good things about that. So have I. Um, listener question of the week. I'm getting there, Matt. My brain's shut off for a second. Um, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh no! Did Robbie have a heart attack in the middle of recording? No, my brain just kind of yeah. I just wanted to like a fugue state. I think I just like lost track of reality. Like wandered off my brain. I did the, I did the Homer Simpson. Um, that's it. Thank you everyone for watching and leaving reviews. If you are on our Patreon, you can also leave your own review. Uh, you can join our cavalcade of calamity, our parade of pain by supporting us at any level on the Patreon, patreoncom slash Show. I plug it once again. Next up, we can move on to our listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is gonna give me something stupid. Well, hot dog. We have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week. What is your favorite non-Springfield setting? That is the better way to phrase it by the, the <laughs> better than the mumble of words I put out in our podcast, but it's fine. Um, lots of great answers. Matt, take it away. All right. First up from Benjamin. 
Hill Valley, California, at any point in time, except maybe altered it in 1985. Oh, boy, that was a rough era. Uh, from Tim, citizens of Pawnee remind me a lot of Springfield, particularly for the remarkably high level of civic participation. <laughs> That's true. And truly heroic uh, sweetened drinks and uh, burger intake. Uh, from Casey, I've always loved the idea of the video game station in Wreck-It Ralph. It would feel like being at a Comic-Con and everyone is re in really accurate cosplays. Oh, gosh. Uh, from Derek, the town is Silent Hill from the eponymous horror series Silent Hill. I was properly obsessed with the original games. The games are dark and terrifying, but the town itself is so hauntingly beautiful in its ghostly, desolate way. I have a holiday home in Dairy, Dairy Bag, and it always reminds me of Silent Hill when the weather is overcast. Sorry, let's be real here. It's the north coast of Ireland. It's always overcast and rainy. So when I'm out walkies, I like to listen to the game soundtrack and feel immersed in that world again. Is that weird? I don't care. It makes me feel so peaceful. You're weird. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. We're all weird. Derek, here. you should not have included a pronunciation guide. For yeah, you, you should let you should you should have let Matt struggle. You should have let Matt struggle. I mean, it is kind oh. to do that. Silent Hill is great, and I think Silent Hill is a, as a huge horror fan. Obviously, I think Silent Hill is a great setting. Next up from Matt. I suppose my answer is pretty bleak, but I would say the Strip in Fallout New Vegas. There's an uneasy yet exciting feeling while walking around the half-lit lights and the drunks. You feel proud to be a smooth skin. Oh boy, I'm sure that's some kind of racism I'm not familiar with. It's but, not. It's uh, not I've racism, like sort of. It's about. It's the. Uh, you haven't played. You've had. Play I played Fallout New Vegas, but I've never gotten more than like 30 minutes into it. I mean, that's appropriate Fallout New Vegas. If you don't go the exact right way, you'll just get <laughs> murdered immediately because the game doesn't care. Basically, yeah. You even play Fallout 3, Fallout 4? I no. have, yeah. But they I use mean... they use smooth skin all the time. The ghouls. The ghouls the sentient. Yeah, exactly. They say... it, it feels like a, that's I don't know if racist is the right term, but it's like you got really lucky to not have been irradiated, basically. I mean that's something to be proud of. But it's luck. that but they call the the ghouls call them smooth skin. I it's the other way around. I think it's uh, okay. Huh. It's alright. Anyway, yeah. And next up, next up from Andy, Pawnee, Indiana, from Parks and Rec, and Arlen, Texas, from King of the Hill. Arlen seems like a interesting choice, not the kind of place I would like to hang out. I lived, I lived in Arlen, effectively. I don't you know did, if, no, you did. No thanks. Yeah. Uh, from Dara, Pleasantville, from the movie the same name, was my instinct answer. So I'll say that. And Sunnydale, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Sure, it has its supernatural issues, but I deal with it for a coastal property. I, I guess Sunnydale was on the beach, wasn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I guess you just have to make sure not to go out at night, ever, for any reason. <laughs> uh, from JJ, the Bob's Burgers restaurant, and I'll have the burger of the day, please. Oh, man, now I really want one of those burgers. Anyway, uh, from Matt, Board ATX, Jurassic World. No, not Jurassic Park, that place was a mess. Jurassic World was a fully functioning theme park with rides and a damn Margaritaville until some turds had to ruin everything. Uh, that's what happens when you get involved I, with the military. I, okay, I, Margaritaville's terrible. I don't like it's <laughs> hey, terrible. Hey, I will defend the Margaritaville nachos until my death. Those things are amazing. how much do they Everything cost? Man? How much do the nachos $11. cost? $11. That's too much. Giant pilot. Too it's much. Bigger than my head, it's, Robbie. And I've got a very large head. Matt, Matt, it's tortilla chips with beef that comes in a bag on top. Okay. It costs them like $2 and they charge $11. It's got a lot more than just beef on it, Robbie. It's, it's very oh, uh, two jalapenos, some lettuce, some cheese. All this stuff costs them a dollar. They charge like three thousand percent markup on everything. Their drinks are terrible. Crab cakes are god awful. It's noisy as hell, and I have to listen to Jimmy Buffett for two hours when I'm sitting near there eating dinner. No, <laughs> thank you. Get it? Out. I hate that it is like, become a thing. If I want to go enjoy Margaritaville, I just and that's the worst. Like you just got like go to. 
just go to the usually margaritaville's are like in tourist look like go to the pool man just go lay out at a pool and get make your own nachos I mean, it's hard when you're a tourist. That's the problem. The thing is, the Margaritaville that I have gone to is the one in Universal in CityWalk because all the other food is way more expensive and the quality is much lower. So, yeah. Unless you're talking like – because there are there is better food. There's cowfish. There's the chocolate emporium. But that stuff is like twice as expensive. I, I, so I, that's why I, I'm going I, with the Margaritaville nachos. You, 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 you get dinner before you go in, into the – the city walk and then you just get yeah, drinks but if you're there all day you don't want to leave and then come back it's kind of a pain okay that's fair that's fair anyway why okay no. matt new solution never leave your house i mean that's what i'm working on but everyone else keeps trying to get me out of the house they claim it's good for me and i need vitamin d or something <laughs> you see how white i am i'll have to just walk outside for three seconds and get a vitamin d for a month anyway uh, for Matt, yes, it's Aaron. I have two. The place I'd most like to live is in Cougar Town's Gulf Haven because they do nothing but drink coffee and alcohol a day. My favorite, however, is Gravity Falls, a terrific show where the town itself is the main character. And as long as you avoid Bill Cipher, Aaron, I good luck with that. <laughs> uh, for Matt D. Jacobson, I have two. One is the world of Pokemon because why age? Also, you are 10 years old, so I have Destructive Dragon and five other monsters, five other monsters that can kill you. The other is Marvel 616 New York because you'll see something awesome or potentially die or both. Yeah, I'm sure there's a Marvel 616 New York is terrifying. Like, I, I cannot imagine living there because your risk of death is practically, you know, through the roof. I can't imagine that anyone is allowed to have life insurance in but 616 get, New York. But you get to see Spider-Man. And then die as, you know, the rhino throws a car at you or something. No, no, Spider-Man will save you. What about the person uh, across town? Uh, also at a supervillain attack at the same time Spider-Man Mr. is treating, Mr. Fantastic the and the Thing, they help. There's a lot of collateral damage all over that. Damage <laughs> control, Matt. They, 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 damage they... control. <laughs> should be billionaires. That's why they are. <laughs> anyway, uh, for Matt Hippie 200, as a fan of the Batman villains like the Riddler, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, and the Joker, I have to go with Gotham City. If you ask me, Batman is the biggest problem Gotham City has, an entitled rich white guy who just wants to sweep all societal problems under the carpet. Uh, depending on which Batman writer you're going with, he's actually paying to fix the city when all those things get I'm, broken. But, you know, Matt, what, like, I, do, I, we, I could talk for five hours about how... I'm pretty sure you've talked for a lot more than five hours. I probably have. I probably have <laughs> talked a lot more than five writer. hours about how Batman as a character just doesn't work anymore because they have stretched him to the point of breaking. Um, Batman the animated series is all you need because um, it never... That's, that's the only Batman world that is, you know, worthwhile. It's the only one that just makes... Per, it, like, it makes a certain enough sense and they never go too far, make anything too big. All the villains, he always shows compassion for them at the end, except for the Joker because you shouldn't show compassion to the Joker. But other than that, I can talk, I you can you can fix Batman, okay, and make him a compassionate, interesting hero again. It would take a lot, though, and they're not going to get too far away from what his status quo is. All right, next up uh, from at one three eight bit wrist cutters. A love story seems like a better place in the real world. I have never heard of that, but it doesn't sound like a fun place. <laughs> but and a lot of places are better than the. It's a love story, <laughs> man, and this has nothing to do with like. I okay, okay go ahead. We'll finish the answers first. All right, all right. Uh, from at HCastle09, grew up with Harry Potter. Before I turned 10, I knew practically everything there is to know about the series. This, this tweet would be the length of a novel if I talked about Harry Potter all day, which I would love to do. So, yeah, Hogwarts all the way. I mean, if you're talking about uh, Hogwarts from, like, books one through three, sure. But once book four rolls around, I don't want to be anywhere near the Wizarding World, at least until it's all over with, because that is a dangerous place to be. 
Please, I'm gonna, um, I have my piece, man. Will you just finish up? All right, all right. For Matt Rogers, Ryan, 22, Jurassic Park on Isla Nubar, maybe, followed by the town of Bedrock. Okay, I guess if the animals are all that smart. Uh, for Matt, more beer for Mike. In the Simpsons universe, it's a tie between Capital City and Cypress Creek. Outside the Simpsons, Gotham City. Oh, boy. Uh, for Matt, El Columbia, 88, the sending of Kanto from Pokemon. Also, Long Island will be a close second. Robbie, what is your answer? Yeah, that's uh, Lauren is referencing uh, Marge uh, ordering a Long Island iced tea. Um, <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to, Matt, you keep bringing up, like, I don't want to be in these places. I didn't say you had to live there. Like, yeah, like, oh, it's your favorite. Okay, I'm okay, like, you're, yeah, right, you're I'm right. Not, I'm not taking up, I'm uh, like, I have to live in this place as a human. No, your favorite setting, a place you like to read stories in. Okay. And, like, so, yeah, my answer is 616 New York. Like, it, it is, it's a world, like, yeah. I, I think, like, uh, I think about, like, Marvel's. Um, gorgeously illustrated comic by, by Alex Ross about a photographer just taking pictures of the different eras of Marvel and, and getting to see what, like, imagine that in that place. And it entranced me as a child because I could picture it. It felt like a real place and it felt like a place where Spider-Man coexisted with the Fantastic Four that coexisted with, with uh, you know, the Avengers. And you could see any or none of these characters flying around. They knew each other, Daredevil and... Like they all existed, co- long, they all coexisted alongside each other. Do I want to live there? No, of course not. It'd be hell. I'd have to. You like you said, I'd have to worry about the the, the Green Goblin throwing a pumpkin at me for no reason, um, just because he was angry. Like, but I don't. It doesn't matter if I want to live there. I want to. I don't want to live in Springfield. So I would visit. <laughs> That's true. Visit Springfield, uh, but the same thing with Gotham City or or Hogwarts for that matter. Like, yeah, it's a like Matt. You go to Hogwarts at, at Universal. You mentioned Universal. You go to Hogwarts, or you go to the Wizarding World, and it's like, yeah, you're walking around, and it's it feels awesome just to visit it because it's so wonderful, it's so fantastic, and literally fantastic, not great, but fantastical. <laughs> um. But that's I six one six New York. It was my one of my first loves as a child, and I still think it's a kind of incredible setting. Um, it's kind of the first. It like you know Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. They those, and those Steve Ditko. They brought those. They brought superheroes to us. You know, Metropolis is not a real place. Gotham City is not a real place. New York City is a real place. You can imagine Spider Man flying right by, swinging by your outside your your window, in in. You know, Brooklyn. As the hobgoblin, you know, chases him down and throws a pumpkin bomb through which, your window. Which hobgoblin? Oh, God. Um, Phil. <laughs> You're a good guy, but Carl's also kind of a moron, so, you know. There's two There's two hobgoblins right now, apparently. That's what I saw. Oh, I haven't read Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I, I'm not. I haven't, yeah, I'm not. I'm not reading Spider-Man. I haven't, I haven't read. Let's we let's not talk about no, Spider-Man. Right now is let's, X-Men. It's hard enough to keep up with that. Let's not, keep, let's not talk about Spider-Man. Matt, what is your answer? Uh, my answer is New York. Uh, I really like Futurama, and it seems like that setting is just as almost as bonkers as the Marvel one. And I really appreciate all the incredibly wacky stuff that can seem to happen in the year 3000. That's a good answer. Next week's question. What theme would you center a Simpsons anthology episode around? Ooh. So three to four stories. You can go either way. I don't really care. Um, what would you center an anthology around? What theme? What's the what's the message? What what's what are, are we? You know, 
examples. You know, we have we have revenge, we have love, we have you know female protagonists, and this one ostensibly, I don't really know. Ostensibly, ostensibly. <laughs> You, what's yours? I'll post this question on social media, Twitter at Simpsons Show Pod. You can email us at Simpsons Show Pod at gmail.com. And I post on Patreon, patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. Next up, Matt, it is time once again for the new Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S M R T. I mean, S M A R R T. The no Google Trivia Challenges. Matt and I each challenge each other. We have three trivia questions one easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stump the other. I have a, I'm losing. We only have a couple episodes left and I have a four point, Matt has a four point lead on me. I have a four point deficit. I need to make up some or I'm there. I'm just, I need to make up at least two points today. Ideally three. Believe in you, Robbie. Matt, you really gave me softballs last week. Okay. I was, as I was listening and editing, I was like, I sh- I'm an <laughs> idiot. I should have gotten Keats. How can I get Keats wrong? Um, All right, Matt, you ready for an easy question? In Principal Charming, Skinner dates who? Uh, I believe that would be Patty. You're correct. I was trying to trick you. I was trying you to trip you up. Whole... I was trying to trip me up, right? I was trying to trip you up. Uh-huh. Your easy question. Who moves in with the Simpsons in It's a Mad, 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 Mad Marge? Oh, no. <laughs> I... Oh, no, Robbie. <laughs> I thought for sure this would be an easy one. I mean, I need her name. Yes. Becky? You are correct. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I was like, it's Becky? That seems like... I don't really remember most of the episode, Matt. Um, okay, your medium question. Well, what is the name of the barbecue restaurant that Homer wants to go to? Repeated multiple times. Uh, what uh, What was the episode again? Sorry, remind me. Principal Charming. Principal Charming. Uh, the barbecue. The barbecue. Barney calls him up, tells him about this barbecue place. Yes, yes. Okay. All you can eat. All you can um. Um, 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 oh gosh. Oh my. He even says it something, something, something. And Homer like counts it out on his hand. You can tell I'm hungry because all I'm thinking about is barbecue now. I know, right? Uh, I, I have no idea. Oh my gosh. I'm so mad. <laughs> I hate myself now. Oh my God. Greasy uh, Joe's bottomless barbecue pit. That's right. Because Homer has to go to his second hand because he's only got four fingers. That's what I was remembering. Dang it. Okay. 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 All right, Robbie, your medium question. Mm -hmm. How much does water cost at Woodstock 99? You mean in real life? (laughs) No, in The Simpsons. In this episode. Uh, Auto is lit on fire. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to think. Obviously, it's an exaggerated cost, but it's also 1999. I wonder what they would think about once they saw water price. I mean, there's a lot of festivals now will give out water if you have a water bottle. Um, reusable. Um, $9. Oh, you were so close. $8. Oh, I was, I just guessed. If $9. I mean, tell, nowadays, bottled water costs like 4 or $5. So, you know, they were only a couple, 20 years ahead of the time. Yeah. I, a bit like, I don't know. There's in, in, in Austin, like, a, I think ACL and South by Southwest, if you bring in a like a Yeti or something, they will let you fill up for no cost because they don't want you. Oh, that's good. I mean, it's Austin, so it's like 145 degrees outside, so they don't want anyone dying. So they give you water. Beer is still $60 a cup or whatever it is, some ridiculous price. All right, your hard question, Matt. What name does Bart give Mo in his prank call in Principal Charming? Principal Charming. Oh, God, there's so many. 
Oh. I'm going to go with a classic. I'm going to go with... Oh, oh. Um, homosexual. I can't. <laughs> I totally forgot because it's when he's in uh, Skinner's office and then Skinner picks up the phone. I can't. I can't it's really with this. funny because somehow Matt, what, Mo what are you doing? Knows. Matt, what is this? What is this? What are you? What are you? Like, what? How? Like, what do you, what do you mean? Oh, yeah. oh. I remember the, the barbecue restaurant. I hate you. How dare you? Yes, homosexual is the right answer. You trivia monster. <laughs> All right, Robbie, are you ready for your heart? No. Okay. How many sauces are on the Ark? The, the giant ice cream. Yeah, I think you. Gorgeous on. Yes. Uh, well, it is. I. I. It's a number, so I can guess a number. Uh, it's. Well, I assume it's a large one. Uh, a large number for sauces. I can't think of many ice cream sauces, but you could probably come up with a lot of them. Thirteen. Sixty-two. Sixty-two sauces? I don't even know what they get. Sixty-two, but that's what they say. Sixty-two? Sixty-two sauces. I I, I don't even know. A lot of varieties. I'm assuming there's a lot of different kinds of chocolate sauce on there. That's the best I could. Like, that's I the, only, so. the only explanation is that there's like 45 chocolate sauces. Like, oh, this is a coffee. Uh-oh, what, did I, what am I doing? I just want to. I just want to. I just want to paste that. Okay, there we go. Done. I just wanted to paste. Well, Matt now has a seven-point lead on me. This is going the opposite direction. How do you pull homosexual, Matt? Like you literally said it yourself. There's so many of them, and you're in the way. You're like, there's oh, there's so many of them. And I was about to say all over clothes off, and then I realized, oh, it's a plot point in the episode. That's how I knew. I want everyone here. Everyone listening. This is okay. I want listen to this. Okay, this is what I'm dealing with. <laughs> He's unstoppable. Matt's like the Terminator. Just, just doesn't. <laughs> he just he will not stop until you are dead. Um, that'll do it for trivia. I, oh boy, Evely, not a good day. Um, but what do we do now? I mean, I think I my brain is just starting to fail on me, Matt. Like I feel like multiple times now, my brain just goes click. It just stops. Um, that's it for trivia. We can't move on to our final final segment. The segment we end every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. I don't know what to do. I don't. I have no idea. I have just no idea. Like what context this is. How do we rank this thing? It's not good. It is incredibly bizarre at times. There's moments that I'm entertained, but those are... How do you weigh, like, oh, I got, like, one se- one seven-minute segment was interesting. Another one was interesting because it's so bizarre. The other are flat as a pancake, no laughs. The whole thing, I didn't laugh very much. I didn't really... The only thing I laughed out loud at this thing. Where's another anthology episode? We have Revenge is a Dish Best Served Three Times. This is number 365. Okay. Is it better or worse? Oh, God. I'm trying to bang my head on my microphone, but it's not coming through. Mm. Uh, I think that one was better. I just... You think? I don't know. They're both so bad and boring and stupid. I mean, at least this one didn't have uh, candy as heroin. It did have it did have Jodie Foster speaking for Maggie in defense of the Fountainhead, though. I don't know if it was in defense or not, Matt. Like that's the thing. Like I think I here I uh, truly do believe 
they are trying to parody it. They, I, but I have no idea how they're doing it. Like I don't know what they yeah, what their thought process like, was. The only the only I the only parody uh, concept of it is that it's babies. So yeah, I don't I I don't know. Look how I, stupid it is. I guess. I guess I don't know. It doesn't. It's also like, what are you going to do with three and a half minutes? Like I don't I don't know. Um, I think this is better than Revenge. It's a dish best served three times. Okay, not a lot better. I think the higher this has higher highs. Uh, it has. I, this is the problem. I think this episode has higher highs and lower lows than Revenge. The dish best served three times. That's true. Yeah. I. I so I want to say that I. I like. And at this point, I am willing to sieve through a lot of pig crap to get to something that I halfway enjoy. Um. But it. I don't think it goes much higher than Revenge is a dish best served three times. I feel like we got that in a spot. And I think like, I think it's true that I would say this episode's this episode is better than the birds and the bees or funeral for a fiend or Homerazzi, which are all below that. Um, I think it truly does belong up like Simpsons Christmas stories is number three fifty seven, And I think that's better than this. Not a lot, I would agree, yeah. not a lot better, but a little bit better. Um, there's Halitess was one, Mommy Beerus, please Homer don't hammer him. Oh God. Uh, yeah, none of those are good. Like that's the thing. Like, and I think you have to I think this is hmm. better than I would say this is this is better than it's not as good as Mommy Beerus, I think is where I'm looking at it. Really? Yeah, I really don't like that episode, but at least it had it tried to tell a story, even if it was stupid. <laughs> See, I was going to say this probably goes up right above Mommy Bearist. Yeah, I'm, you, quite frankly, I'm fine with that. I mean, it's somewhere in that neighborhood, it feels like. I like. I think I would go How the Tesla's One, then this, then Mommy Bearist. Is that that you said you're okay with that, Matt? I'm totally okay with that, yeah. Uh, okay. I want you to remember this, okay? In a, three years from now, when you go, I don't remember liking the, the four great women in a manicure this much, and you're like, how did we get it that high? And and, you, and I will tell you that it, they did it, I, we did it because I said, I think it's better. And you went, okay. <laughs> yeah. That mean, that's fine. I won't go with that. At this point, it's difficult to drum up a lot of anger, like, you know, outrage, like, oh no, that's three spots lower than I want it, or whatever. Pulling numbers around. So that is Four Great Women in a Manicure, which is new number 361 on our list, and number 169 in our post-Golden Years ranking, right below How the Test Was Won, right above Mommy Beerist. Number one on our list is still Homer's Enemy. Last place is still Codependence Day. We're not done with this yet, though, Matt. We have one more thing to do. One more question. To answer that question is, do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? I mean, there's really no reason to keep it in the canon is the problem. Uh, just because it's it's an anthology episode, so just margin leads to telling stories back and forth. So why does it need to be in the canon? I mean, I would argue... I'm going to say... it Here, Matt. This is, this is a couple... I think there's a couple things in it that in, means we include it. Um, it's not terrible. One, it doesn't get... Included, it doesn't get excluded simply it does not it's not terribly offensive in pretty much any way you know it's at worst it's very boring and nonsensical 
but it's not like it's incredibly racist or homophobic or transphobic. There's a little bit of it with Julio, but not really. It's kind of mild, mild gay stereotype stuff. Um, not great, but it's, I guess, I don't know. It's all, it's all on a curve because they've done much, much worse. <laughs> like yeah. three gays in a condo, uh, that thing. Um, I mean, that's the reason is way down the list. Um, so it, it doesn't have that stuff. And I think the Mac, Lady Macbeth, whatever plot, like, sure, it doesn't belong here. None of these belong, really, because I don't know what this episode is supposed to be, really. Um, it's interesting. And I think it is. I think that seven minute story is relatively well told, if very simple, and should just be in a trios of horror. But I think it is fine for what it is i think it does what it wants to do i don't know why they put it in this context i think if that was just an transfer episode people would like it a lot more i we would I, go i would agree we i would, would like it a lot more i would just go oh okay no transfer story that makes sense um but instead they put it in this context and it makes no sense and i would also argue that the ayn rand fountainhead maggie jody foster stuff is so bizarre it's worthy of discussion. That's fair. While not being, and it, it, it I think in, and I think in, as a counterpoint to my previous statement is that because it has this context, it doesn't ruin a normal episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's in this weird oddball episode. Let's, you know, I, you know, let them kind of dance around outside the lines a little bit. It doesn't matter. I, I honestly, I don't think even if it, even if you don't, even if that's not, I don't know. I think the Lady Macbeth segment is enough to keep this in. Because the rest of it is not terrible. It's just nonsense. That's fair. I mean, it's like, you know, we're, we're, we have 416 episodes on this list. It's not, you know, it's not even the bottom 50. Yeah. I mean, barely not in the bottom 50, but it, it makes the, it barely makes the cut. I think we include it. Are you okay with me? Right, Are you including? Fair. I think it's, again, I want to include things if possible. If possible, if we can justify it, I want to include things. Um, and now we're working away from the top of the list down through all of it, trying to answer the same question. We're number 113 on our list, which is The Last Temptation of Homer. And yes, can Mind I say yes any harder than this? Like, how, how hard can I say yes? Mind Mindy Simmons? Yes. Yeah, yes. Mindy's, Mindy's great. Um, it's another, like, yeah, good, solid episode of The Simpsons. Another, it's like, you know, it's that Homer being tempted kind of thing. Um, not a very complicated or complex episode, but, but it works and it's funny. So but yes, it works. And it's, it's, it's funny. So many places in there are just like the part of the, uh, the episode where Minnie and Homer are sitting at the desk and people are walking by and yelling mean things to them. And they're just yelling back. That is so funny to me. I don't know why. I mean, there's a turkey behind the bed. Come on. Classic stuff. <laughs> uh, I mean, like. Even the stuff unrelated to, like, the, the man with a giant hand. And yeah. he has stuff written on his hand. The first incident. If you... Yeah, very good. Um, those are just unrelated jokes, but they're very funny. And they work. Uh, so, yeah, of course, it's included. I should say, of course, but because eventually we will get to one where we're like, hmm, maybe not. But I think it will be... Honestly, I don't mind including most episodes, but we've just gotten such dreck. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to... Hard to argue for us sometimes, but no fire in the can today. It's a good day. Whenever we don't fire the can, it's a good day, Matt. That's what I've decided. So I'll say it. I'll say it again. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say that's about it. 
we're about that's about it for this episode. Before we go, you can find all our stuff on our website, so SimpsonShow.com has links to all the things we do online, um, to our Twitter, to our RSS feed, and a link to our Patreon. If you want to help out the show, we'd really, really appreciate it. Our next episode, man, coming is the final episode of season twenty. Feels Uh-oh. like we feels like we just started season twenty, and now we're we're already finishing season twenty. Um, but it is coming to Homerica. Okay. This is this is uh immigration illegal immigration episode. Oh with the, no. With the with the where they you know border they need a border wall. And Homer and Lenny and Carl <sighs> build a wall. But but no, please no. I don't like this. This no. <laughs> no. Maybe may, you know, Matt, they've done an immigration episode before and maybe it, and we like it, you know. Maybe this will be good. Yeah. No? Yeah, okay. Won't be? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure, That's sure, next sure. time. Sure, sure. That's next time. Uh, you can watch along with us if you'd like. Um, I'll do it before you go. You can find me online on, on Twitter for now. We'll see how long everyone's... I don't know. Twitter has not changed for me other than people, more people complaining about Twitter. I'm like, if you don't like it, just leave, guys. You don't have to stay here. You don't. You can go. It's fine. Um. I'm on Twitter at my name, Robbie Dorman. My website is also my name. It's RobbieDorman.com. It has and and has links to buy all my books. You should go buy them. I you heard a pre-order thing at the very beginning of this episode. You should go pre-order my next book. It's called The Other. It's my possession story. It is the Exorcist meets the notebook uh about love and eternal evil from hell fighting a battle about who can win. Uh it's a good book. You should buy it. I would I appreciate the support anyone who does pre-order my books, and I'll love you forever. I'm not joking. Uh, Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that is true. I spend most of my time taking care of kittens, mostly trying to get them to eat and or stop pooping, or maybe a lot of times both at the same time. Uh, if you'd like to see these most adorable kittens at the work, you can check out Kitten Turns on Instagram. That's K-I-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S, and you can see just how incredibly cute they are. Also... Uh, seen as Halloween. If you'd like, you can also just, you know, give an offering to your local cat, either your cat or somebody else's cat. Just, you know, get down on your hands and knees and give them a little uh, churro tube, uh, a little meat tube. And, uh, you know, they will pass any message you have on along to me through the cat grapevine, which is totally a thing. It's not, man, it's not Halloween anymore. It's November. It's time for now we're It's November, doing... but it was Halloween recently. So all the cats are like just trading all their Halloween stories. So it's faster this way. I was going to say it's Christmas now, right? It is Christmas. November first marks the first day of Christmas. <laughs> it goes all the way until I believe January eighth. We know what is New Year's in there too. Don't forget about that. We have to shoot off I mean, fireworks. We have to shoot off fireworks and terrify dogs. Um, ever since I've got a dog, that, that's all that New Year's is to me. It's just the terrified dogs at holiday. <laughs> uh, See, your problem, Robbie, is you got a dog who can hear. You got a deaf dog, not a problem. Matt, I would trade. I think I'll make that trade if you're asking me. <laughs> i'll take the i'll t- I, I don't know i i don't know, I don't know. you see how much she sheds you might uh, change your mind no i mean it is good to have a dog that can hear me when i say hey dog come and the dog comes because it oh, heard me sure. say that that's good um and i can say oh you're a good dog and the dog goes yes i am a good dog because it heard me say that mm-hmm. i love my dog i wouldn't give her away for anything everyone asking me for my dog stay away from my dog it's my dog 
feel like True. you're rubbing. People want your dog. Everyone. Wants I mean, your dog. there were people here last week. I had D and D last week. I had people were like, "I want your dog. I want to take your dog." I'm like, "You can't have my dog. It's not gonna." Mm. She's the best dog in the world. You want dogs? Always just uh, mystify me. You have a dog, Matt. I know, and I love her very much, but she will be the last dog that I will ever have. Do we do we want to place a wager on that right now? Uh, <laughs> no, because I'm weak. It's you not good. not. There's no way it's your last dog. There's not. There's no way in hell. Uh, that'll do it for us today. I'm Robbie, and I'm Matt. Hey, you watch this.